Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast for the recently deceased. Episode 8. Uh, I'm Nate Roberts. <laughs> I am Rodney Godak. Alright, and tonight... How you doing, bud? I'm doing good. How you doing? <laughs> Excellent. It's been a week. Uh, what are we doing tonight, man? Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about Slapface, um, which is new to Shudder uh, a couple weeks ago, wow. or last week. Uh, and the last thing Mary saw, um, and, and what's a little different this week than last is I enjoyed both films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was fun. Uh, I mean, look, any new to streaming on a platform like Shudder, uh, can be hit or miss. It's a grab bag type thing where you hope for the best. And we both don't like to look too much into films because we don't want to have things spoiled or know the synopsis because it can take away a lot of the mystique of a new film that you discover. And I think we're both pleasantly surprised and happy to watch these films. And so I'm excited to talk about them, compare and contrast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, one thing they both had in common, or I should say two things they both had in common is they were both kind of loosely based on witches or witches were part of the story and they, and they were actually kind of built that way, um, and then you watch them both, and you're like, okay, well, this wasn't about witches, and then the other one, you're like, oh, this wasn't about witches either. But they they were kind of sold that way by like the, you know, the guy who writes the plot synopsis who maybe didn't watch the movie, or or the guy who makes the trailer. You know, um, these these jobs uh, of people that like maybe they don't fully know it. Whoever gets assigned to it, like you know, you intern write the copy on this movie. It's about witches. <laughs> they, they, you know, they, yeah. they they write a you know a, a one paragraph blurb about it, not really, you know, knowing or, or maybe sometimes they do it on purpose to kind of mislead the audience. But um, yeah, so 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 there's that. And mm-hmm. then they are both incredibly short. They both clock in under the ninety minute mark. Uh, yeah, I think which I think, is nice from time to time. <laughs> Yeah, I, honestly, I I did watch these back to back, and um, it was it was nice to only spend three hours watching two full stories. Um, yeah, I know. agree. I did the same thing, did the double feature yeah. over the weekend, and it was enjoyable to to go back to back and to just kind of live in this kind of universe because they and they were both different enough but similar enough to kind of feed the feelings that I was having and going through processing. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, double feature. <laughs> yeah, especially coming off of um, Nightmare Alley, which was like two and a half hours long and, and just uh, <laughs> and, and felt even longer, um, which, you know, we can talk about an, at another date. <laughs> yeah, I still haven't seen it. Um, yeah. uh, I don't know when I'll fit it in, but uh, we have a pretty tight schedule with uh, with what we do and the things that we watch. And so at some point, I'll catch it. Uh, I was excited about it, and we definitely t- talked about it whenever we discussed Antlers at yeah. the end of last year. But so we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it still has a lot of things going for it, you know, on paper. Like the cast is phenomenal. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Guillermo del Toro is fantastic. Like, there's just so many things in the wind column. Well, and all the actors and in it are all a-list type people and that's the thing that was interesting whenever you mentioned that you weren't as hot on it as a lot of other people were um oscar noms came out today this is tuesday and it's nominated for several uh a a couple um but i had just saw that they were it didn't have a great box office at first and they're starting to re-release it 
in black and white. And when I, I mentioned that to you because they think I think that they intentionally shot it and lit it or colorized a lot of the costumes to still read appropriately in black and white. They just weren't necessarily stuck with it having to be a black and white film. And so that certain select areas or markets are getting a black and white version. Do you think that that would aid or hinder? Uh, to be honest, I think I would have enjoyed it more in okay. black and white. Uh uh, you know, there's something about it, and, uh, you know, Kate Blanchett as well uh, actually has done, I don't know if handful is the right word, but a couple of these um, modern noir type films. And the mm-hmm. last one I saw had George Clooney and Tobey Maguire and was black and white, The Good German. Um, okay. So, you know, when you're. The original was shot in 1947. The film is based in 1941. Um, when you're trying trying to uh, recapture that noir or neo noir kind of feel, uh, yeah. you know, I I really think the black and white definitely helps. Sure. So so well, I, we'll I'd be, I'm uh, interested to see if if it catches if it catches legs or if it gets legs. Um, yeah, I don't know if it was just an afterthought or they're trying to salvage box office type stuff. Uh, not sure what the intent was, you know, right. or if it was just like a cool little treat, like, ooh, check out this other cut, you know, Snyder sure. cut version of Nightmare Alley. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, we, we don't want to... Even though it's just look. color. Yeah, it shouldn't be longer. <laughs> if anything, they could they could try. <laughs> In uh-huh. fact, when we talk about it, don't let me forget to tell you why it should have been shorter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, to the main event. Yep. Uh, slap cool. Face. Uh, slap Face. The story of uh, two brothers. Uh, the older brother um, is raising the younger brother. Uh, we can assume he's at least 21, although we really don't get ages. Um, yeah. We don't get what grade the younger kid is in. Uh, Seems middle school. Yeah, yeah. Definitely 13, 14 tops. Right. Uh, maybe as young as 12, but I doubt it. Um, then we have, uh, oh, right. Also, we don't really know how much time passes through this film. Uh, and, and it is, it does feel a little, um, a little wonky, um, in moments. Like we don't know if it's been days or weeks, um, and they don't really do anything to to help the audience out there. Uh, maybe it was on purpose. Maybe not. Sure. So, the movie starts off with um, was are they playing right off slap? the bat? They're playing the game. They're playing. They're playing slap face. Yeah. So slap face. Yeah. They're just slapping each other in the face, uh, one at a time, <laughs> back and forth. Uh, and uh, it seems like well, you know, one of them can say harder, and then they they both kind of escalate a little bit. And uh, it's just a thing that they do. It's you know, it's it being introduced as something normal, uh, for, right? For them. Um, so and like the way the film starts to me, I was kind of you know it, we made we talked about Death Valley last week and how right away you kind of know a little bit of cringe like this is going to be what it's going to be probably. Uh, this one has a very uh, dark. Uh, serious, sombery type tone with, because um, they say a couple words, you know, 
and you just see the slapping. And so it's a, um, a graphic kind of in-your-face sort of domestic like trauma type thing that could be happening because you don't know how much it's a willing participant in this activity that they're doing. Or, and there's obviously a disparity in age, and so it's really not cool to be doing it to your sibling. So there's discomfort right off the bat and like trauma that's occurring that you're already kind of, you have a vested interest in, in the kid's character. But, uh, and then they show all the, the demon imagery. There's the, the, a lot of string instruments, cellos that are really kind of setting a somber tone. And it, uh, you know, with religion and other different stuff, like etchings from the, from books that you see with the credits. And so I love the way that it let me know right away what kind of a movie that to take it more serious or to to follow the darkness that it was going to be exposing or getting into. I think that it did a great job of letting me clue me in as to how to approach this movie from the start. Uh, I really enjoyed that part of it. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. It, it definitely caught my attention right away. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm like paying attention. Um, you know, I'm not like, Oh, you know, what's going on? You know, just like kind of watching it out of the corner of my eye. Um, so I think it, what moves to the bar, right? Like we, we jump right in. Um, the older brother is having some drinks. He, uh, flirts with a girl. Um, and then it's the next morning and she's making them breakfast. Yeah. Uh, so, what, so the other thing I don't think you mentioned with the two films, the similarity, they're both upstate New York. Oh, this yes. This one takes place in Fishkill, New York, Fishkill. which is not up upstate, but it's technically upstate. Um, and okay. so it's rural, and that's clear in this. And so perhaps a, uh, a townie bar chick would be totally okay with going home with a guy and hanging out and cooking breakfast and sticking around for a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, she's completely comfortable and, like, already, like, they've spent a night together. She's really just like, yeah, this is cool. <laughs> yeah, and uh, she's making breakfast, and uh, she's talking to the younger brother there like like, the, like she's almost, like, already a babysitter. Yeah. yeah. On the babysitter. I wouldn't give her the stepmom level yet, but she right. does get there pretty quickly. Um, yeah. But she kind of starts That's off. That's the one. Yeah. The one thing that I would say for me, like just pulled out a little bit of the reality of the relationships that they have, the, the three of them, is that it just it the comfort that they have as a as a unit or at least the relationship, it just seems too quick and it's a little bit disjarring or just jarring. And that just pulls me a little bit out. Like maybe it was just could have been written or described a little bit differently. But they want to get to the point where that relationship has a reason or a purpose or stakes for what's occurring later so right. i get the need to expedite that process i just think that it could have been executed a little bit cleaner and that's the one thing in this film is that dynamic in the house that just took me a little bit away because it seemed a little bit unrealistic yeah. outside of that everything else that's going on is really great and the one thing that happened before that bar scene which i took note of because i thought it was cool it's a it's like sort of a horror trope that happens in a lot of films is when the kid goes to uh he takes his mother's photo to uh, Wakefield at the building, and he has a little blade with him, and he goes and he slits his thumb. Oh, it's sure. Like, You're right. Anytime anyone has to give blood or do something with blood in a ritual, they always find the most awful thing that you could think of, and it's always on the hand, and it's 
the most it's like I like that it was sort of a, a nod or an homage to that trope. Uh and it was unsettling. I hate I every time I hate those scenes I always always wince because it's just that I don't like the idea of slicing my tunnel bun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he puts it on the he like drips it on the pitcher and he like buries it oh, yeah. like pretty like yeah. shallow in front of the the witch's house or is the as the the local folk tale is is the the virago which it's her it's her home it's this giant yeah. giant house it's like a mansion um and it's it's mm-hmm. practically condemned but like obviously they're not tearing it yeah, down yeah boarded up it's right boarded up yeah and and it's a uh, it's a ghost story for for the kids you know um stay away from that house kind of thing yeah, and everyone knows. And I think it's even that first night, they clue you in that there's trouble with the kid or he's processing stuff in a certain kind of way where I don't remember the exact events that happened because the sheriff comes to the bar and tells the brother, like, we you gotta we picked him up and Right. I can't remember what he said he got into, that he was down the road or he was he they picked him up somewhere and he was gonna do something if they didn't grab him and bring him in and you got to keep him in control you only get so many chances i don't think we know what he actually did but you can obviously see that the kids on the wrong path and lashing out in some kind of way are dealing with shit right and, and, he, and yeah and he need, he needs his his older brother to be a better father figure and and the yeah the, obviously the sheriff knows that and is a family friend um so he's given him they another, allude that he had yeah. too much closeness to the mother in the past yeah so he, like, you know, he, he he says you're running out of get a, get out of jail free cards. Um, so, and also played by uh, Dan Hedaya, who's been in a ton of other oh, stuff. Yeah. I didn't realize it at first. I was like, yeah. I know this this voice is familiar, but you yeah. don't see his face really well until much later in the movie. And I was like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the 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 guy's in everything. He's in he's in tons yeah. of stuff. Yeah, he, re- yeah, I know. I pulled it up because I was like, what what a couple things? Because all I could think of at the time was that, uh, Adam's Family. It's the only thing I could think of, and then oh, I saw sure. his IMDb of all the other shit he's been in, and I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> it's it's that guy that's in a ton of stuff. Yeah. Um, for the folks at home, yeah, uh, Mulholland Drive, The Usual Suspects. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the he's uh. The the detective, not the not the main detective, but the the detective whose office the main detective uses in the Usual Suspects. Not that that's a big deal, but right. I actually just watched Usual Suspects like two weeks ago, so it's fresh. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> so so a slap face. Um, from there, the other group that gets introduced, uh, I can't remember if it had already happened, but the other characters that are a part of this film are, um, well, we should say Tom is the older brother. Lucas is the it's main the, character. Yeah. Anna is the love interest. And then there's the twins or no, Anna is the, the younger one, I think. Or is Anna the Tom's girlfriend? Um, uh, Mariah, the... Mariah, Mariah okay. is, uh, and Lucas's. the twins. And the twins, right. and so the twins so, are yeah. Mariah's friends, and but they're also bullies. Yeah, totally. They're yeah. they are awful people. Yes. Um, and so Mariah's trying to 
play both sides where she is a fan of Lucas and wants to be Lucas' friend slash girlfriend or figure out they've got feelings or something. She wants to explore that. But the twins just want to cause pain and want to bully Lucas. And so they force Mariah to do certain things that she, maybe she doesn't want to, but she wants their friendship. And so there's an interesting dynamic that goes on there. Yes. And that's pretty much the whole stage that's set. Is so Lucas is dealing with some shit. He has the Wakefield building that he's familiar with, and he's sort of like a, a loner, ostracized, trying, trying to find his way. Doesn't have a set group of people to confide or process or talk to. Doesn't obviously have the father figure. And now that the, his father figure, his brother, has a relationship, he has even less of a chance of building that relationship and... Right getting on the right path through yeah. his guidance because his brother's just you can, dealing with his own yeah. shit. You can tell that he resents uh, the girlfriend right away um, yeah. because he, you know, he starts, he starts <laughs> getting, getting... I guess he doesn't have eggs. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she says because she tries cooking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think he, you know, he, he starts lashing out at home like right away and getting like, he's very short with his brother and he just kind of mm -hmm. keeps leaving the house. Um you know, so we see yeah, him get exploring. we see him get picked on uh, by the by the three girls, and then just him and Moira later, or Mariah later, um, where we find out that that they're actually like boyfriend and girlfriend, and she apologizes for the way she treats him when the girls are around. They're her only friends, right? So she's got a kind of you know a kind of self esteem thing going on too. Um, mm -hmm. then, uh, okay, so. Well, so let's get to the point where now, uh, at some point, you know, he's like, out and exploring. Yeah. He gets with the twins and Mariah at the Wakefield building. Right, right. That's what I was, dare, that's what I was coming to next. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they, they dare, dare him to spend, or he, I think, offers, like, he wants to show off or say, I'll do this. Are you going right. to do it? Like, I'm going to spend this much time. So he goes in and he explores and he doesn't give a shit. He's like, yeah. this is nothing. I, I'm, I've am i been through worse in my life. So I'm just walking right. through here like it's no big deal. And they're keeping track with the timer. You know, it's like, like, it's a, which is another classic thing. Go into the scary house or whatever. Uh, how far can you go? Right. And we'll keep track. It's, you know, it, that's a well-known thing. And it's really neat to see that as well. Like, they're paying the respect to that idea. Yep. So, uh, so he goes in. He's in there for a while. You know, they f they fully count um, down. He stays in longer. He's got like a broom. He starts attacking the wall. Yeah, uh, making noises if something's yeah. going on. Yeah, and then uh, you know, and then he does try to try to like he turns to leave, and then this figure just grabs him from behind, and he starts screaming and struggling, and and the girls hear it and they run. Mm -hmm. um, and he just wakes up outside. Right. With, with Mariah. Mariah. With Mariah, and uh, yeah, I think this is where they first, you know, they they first kind of talk about sorry that mm -hmm. I'm I'm mean when the girls are around, uh, and like he just kisses her, which is like really weird and awkward, and mm -hmm. she's she just like leaves and is like call me later, right? Um. So so, as shortly after that, uh, the events with the dog happen. I think. Yes. The dog. Um, I think that's the second instance that you that you see it. And so the 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 poem that is there that people recite, and I think I can't remember when he mentioned, but he starts singing it. Uh, right. Was it 
first she was the breeze, then she was a tree, Virago, Virago, and then she was a witch, Virago, Virago, and that's sort of the rhyme. Yeah. And so, like, he's, like, kind of, he knows that he's singing it from time to time, but he's out in the woods just doing his thing, and he hears a dog barking, and I think you hear people calling for, for a dog, yeah. and he freaks out, starts running, because the dog's chasing him, and he runs, 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 and then he sees the figure. Right. Virago. Virago, yes. And she takes care of that dog. Oh, yes. Yes, she does. Uh, and the, so we should mention now that the, the figure, the monster, is, is what it's called in the credits, um, is, is very tall, like mm-hmm. six, 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 six and a half, definitely over six feet. And the face is your, your classic, um, like, 40s yes. cartoon depiction of a witch's face. Like, it's got the, yes. the crooked nose, uh, it's like, dark green skin with the the mm-hmm. big wart and like and the face is also yeah. all all kind of kind of gross <laughs> anyway um and then the outfit is like just tattered rags and and some ropes you know tied around and yeah. it's a it's a really really it looks good like yeah yeah like for a you know it's like it's a guy in a suit um but it looks great yeah that and that's the thing the whole time this movie when we talked about the intro credits, it, it sets the tone. It continues that through the whole film where it's very, it's atmospheric. Uh, the shots and the color, it's all just natural and it doesn't have bright brights. It's sort of, it's fall and it just has that kind of coldness to it. And the same happens with sound design. The sound is, is very well produced where everything, the events that are occurring, the dialogue, it's all shot professionally looks professional it sounds professional it's it's this is a a well-crafted um and well-made film as far as the cinematography and the sound goes and so uh the costume and the makeup effects it's it's adequate with what it should be and i think that the way they do do the monster is is perfect for the kind of tone that the movie is it's enough information without being like all about what it looks like and is right right yeah yeah i i totally agree i think um um for for being i mean you want to call it independent maybe independent yeah it's gotta be a low budget yeah yeah the budget yeah it's definitely um you know it it feels i don't want to use the word simple because because uh, you know that makes it sound easy and it, and it can't be easy you know to make a to make a good movie but, right um, well it's got limited amount of scope it has like and that's the thing that I like about it it's it's right. like other films that we talked about this is reminiscent of antlers and the fact that there's a handful of characters and it's a small narrow focused film this has the same thing in the tr- in the what it's about is direct and it's it knows what it's about and it is just continuing to hit that note and to talk about it and to just try to flesh out a lot of um, other related information or visuals and and relationships that kind of help drive home the same point of, of isolation or trauma and grief or loss on how people process those things. And so it's, it's, you know, it knows what it wants to do and it just continues to try to flesh out that story and give more depth and intrigue in how it's telling a story about a kid going through this stuff. Yeah. And so, 
Okay, so the dog. All right, so now now after that, um, he's you know he's running through the woods like he keeps going through this uh, this stuff where he just doesn't want to be home because of the girlfriend, mm-hmm. and now they're fighting, right? So because yeah. once again we don't know how much time has passed, um, and this is was <clears throat> the only like ambiguous thing about the movie that I just wish I knew a little bit more about how long everything was taking. Um, she, he just runs across her in the, in the woods and he kind of gets freaked out. He, he goes to leave. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> then, but, uh, like he starts to see it as a friend and right. Because right. he has so no one else. And so it's like, Oh, you're not attacking me. He gets that after she protects him from the dog. Right. The next time he's like, okay, you're not hurting me. And so I'm <laughs> going to be okay with being around you. And in fact, because no one else is with me. I'm going to go along with you. Right. And so they befriend one another. Yes. And so now they have a this like meetup relationship where, you know, she's always quiet, but he feels comforted um when he's around her. Um like he uh he does hug her at one point. I think he also rides her piggyback. <laughs> yeah, they go uh, through that. Yeah. <laughs> There's a scene where he's, he's you know, he's on her back, which I thought was funny. Um. All right. So, what are we coming up on? Um. So things start to, you know, break down with the brother and their relationship, uh, and the the girl leaves, and right. then comes back, and so she comes back at a moment when Lucas isn't around. I think maybe he's out talking with the girls, the twins, and like, I don't know. I I think that that might have been when he went approached him at the pool can't remember but anna comes back and no one's around the brother's at work lucas is out and she starts looking through the house this was sort of a funny moment i laughed about it but i mean it's probably just like you know it's just it's a weird thing that should probably be more serious she starts going through stuff uh she finds like the the nudie book of like with there's like dirty pictures in a in a journal or like it maybe it's like a yeah. you know whack off type thing but like there's a hand drawn vagina like yeah, and it yeah, was yeah. like uh, I was like oh, yeah I, I remember that age <laughs> I was like yeah oh, yeah oh, right oh. And, and it definitely like definitely obviously belongs to Lucas right like <laughs> yeah and she and she makes the face she's like Ugh. Yeah. like yeah you know you should be going through the kid shit yeah. uh she finds <laughs> the gun which the brother had talked about before right and that's when um the the monster is also in the house because the monster right. is interested in in Lucas and is exploring it and right. knows that Anna's been around and she doesn't like Anna, right? And so and that's where yeah they they see each other and she freaks out, yeah, and uh, she, she tries to shoot it. She shoots she shoots the monster and then we and cut away. So we don't yeah. really know what happens yet, but we will find out shortly. Yeah, and it's because, and she goes to the house because the dog, the dog, the girl's putting up posters for the dog that say it was lost. She knows that the dog was killed, or I think Lucas buries the dog. Right, remember? right, right. And he right. tells and her that she, it's the third funeral he's been to. Yes. The second one was his uncle. Seemingly the first one was his mother. Was the mother, yeah. And, and the, parents. and the, she did catch him washing the blood off of him. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So, uh, so she comes back to talk to him about the flyer. She leaves the flyer. She finds all that other stuff. She sees the monster. She tries to shoot it. Now the monster's taking care of her. 
Lucas comes back to see that this has occurred because he sees the thing and he puts two and two together like and he's like oh my god what did you do right and he, he also notices become... he also notices the claw marks down the side of her car as yeah, he's, and when he's marks. when he's coming up to the house and he sees the bullet hole in the thing he moves the the picture to try to cover it up so that you know he can figure out what to do about this situation um, but it doesn't take long um, for Lucas uh, or for Tom to kind of figure out and to discover things because he's like well where is Anna he's, you know yeah yeah, he drives her car to where she said she was staying. He goes, where is she? He's like, you, the guy's like, you tell me. You're driving her car around. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, just, you know, a dead end, right? Um, then uh, we have, while, while Tom's out doing all this, Lucas is in the woods now with the twins and uh, Mariah again. And... Yeah. Uh, they're chasing him because he punched one of the twins in the nose. After right in the they're, face. They're yeah, right in the right. face. I was so excited. Yeah, yeah it was so she good. Just said something, and he just like he nailed just, her. Just yeah. bloody nose immediately. It was, it was like, yeah. oh, he punched her in the face. I wrote it down. I'm like, oh, my God. So they all get separated. Um, Moriah gets separated from the twins. And she's trying because she's trying to find Lucas to like seemingly have an actual conversation. But maybe to trap him. We don't right. quite know. Um, and we don't get to find out because the witch uh, discovers her with a giant rock and bashes her head in. Um, yeah. And then Lucas discovers the body and is just beside himself, crying, freaking out, was completely lost it. Uh, the girls. The twins approach. Yep. And they run like, off. GTFO. Yeah, they don't like it. He's like screaming. He's crying. He's distraught. And he's screaming, they help me. They assume he did it. Yeah, yeah. They assume he did it. Uh, yeah, he definitely gets uh, gets brought in uh, by the sheriff, uh, mm-hmm. who there's a scene with him questioning him. Yeah. Um, and then Tom knows. Tom's trying to get in to see him. They won't let him in. Right. Um, and then... The kid, Lucas, right? He kind of has these like blackout wake up moments, or at least it, he ha- it happens a second time, and mm-hmm. he kind of comes to to see that the the door to the interrog- interrogation room's ajar. Yeah. And he just walks out to uh to a bloodbath. The sirens going off. Oh, the sirens are going off too. Yeah, the alarm. The alarm. Yeah. Yeah. He goes out, and it's it's every cop in the place is dead. Yeah. Uh, including the sheriff. Um. We don't know how, because it didn't show mm-hmm. us. It just it's right. just the state of of this of the room, uh, and he just leaves and he goes home. Yeah. Um, so the one scene that I think is important that we didn't discuss that kind of indicates more things about how this is all transpiring is you see them playing slap face again. The brother, oh. see, because the house is a mess from the struggle with the the monster and Anna. Right. He comes home. And sees this mess, and so they play slap face. They're playing slap face, and Lucas is looking over uh, Tom's shoulder and sees the witch coming, and and it's being impacted right. by what is happening to Lucas. Yeah, it moves its head whenever he gets hit. Yeah, and so there's sort of like this, like it can feel his pain type thing, and he embraces Tom. Right, and it tells says, me. "I love you. I'm so sorry. I love you. I love you. I just want like." 
Yeah. And, and, and the, so the witch backs off. Yes. And like, and then all this other stuff happens, but that's a pivotal scene to kind yeah. of clue in what's happening, but also to see like, you know, he's, he's still trying to fight this darkness. Yeah. To touch on that, um, something we did overlook, um, the before Anna, before she's killed, um, does try to have a talk with Tom about Slapface, and right. and basically calls him out for abusing his little brother and says that it's not right. And he's just like, it's like it's how we cope with yeah. the pain inside, the anger inside. Yeah. It's how we deal with it. It's our thing. Right. Leave, it al- leave it alone. So that's but, so, so that's the only that's how we get any explanation as to what they're doing. Besides, you know, just slapping each other. Or at yeah. least, you know, that's, you know, obviously from Tom's perspective, which is not the perspective that we care about, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we care about Lucas here. And, yeah, well, and, he's and the so one initiating it. He says we have to do it. You know, we have to do it. Like, obviously, he's coercing Lucas to go along with it. Lucas doesn't have a choice. Tom is saying this is what we're doing. Right. And um, whether it's to, you know, and that's the one thing that, it happens a little bit earlier where they're talking about the mother and father passing that they both, they all are in a car crash. Is that what it was where there was water involved? Correct. I think and they were all they in get a crash. Out. Yeah. They get, kids get out. They get out and they thought that she, and I think the father were right behind, but they, they didn't get out. Right. Is what I'm we're believing. So it's like, they're holding on to that. And clearly they both are, dealing with it still and this is how maybe tom has structured a way to to maybe almost like slough uh self-flagellate to feel pain or to you know like just like self-harm type thing. yeah yeah absolutely. Uh, but now he's getting his brother to go along with it because he's forcing it upon him he has to process and deal with it sort of as a penance with him uh an unwilling participant so it, there's a lot of ways to interpret it or to try to understand it's clear that they're still processing and dealing with it, uh, the loss and the grief and the trauma of it. Clearly not the right way uh, for Tom to be doing right now. So, um, so yeah, so the bloodbath at the sheriff's station. Yep. Uh, and then Lucas just pieces out. I think he just gets back to the house, yeah? Yeah, yeah, he goes back to the house, and this is where, like, the, the showdown, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or the you know the climax um, where uh, so does he he destroys the house on his own Lucas does right at this point and then Tom comes home to find it destroyed um, and yeah I'm trying to to think back and this is I feel bad now like I'm trying to remember beat for beat how the ending occurs and I'm having a hard time uh, well, they, they definitely play slap face again mm-hmm. right oh no 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 okay so the so the witch comes out lucas has the gun yeah uh lucas has the gun the witch comes out the witch is playing slap face with tom and every time she hits him it knocks him across the room yes um yeah. and uh i think we he he does fire some shots. Yeah, Lucas starts shooting at the witch, and it's not being impacted by it. Yeah, yeah, and I and I'm pretty sure it hits and kills Tom, the bullets. Right, and yeah. and we'll explain. And we're we'll 
my my theory will come here in a second as to how that right. happened. Yeah, but that's how it was occurring. There was a confrontation at the yeah. end with that, and uh, the witch and the monster and Tom are doing their thing, and Lucas is trying to stop it by shooting at it. Right. And and we know we know that the cops um, went back to the police station because there was a little um, scene where uh, Tom walks past some cops, and you hear in the background. Uh, get back to the station. It's it's disgust. Jesus Christ! It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Is what you hear, um, and that's when he. Well, because Tom is at the hospital, and because Mariah's there, and Mariah dies. She's on life support, but then she right. passes. Her mother's grieving. Yeah. They see it. They see the twins in the hall. They're all dealing with it, and Tom's just sitting there numb, that right. thinking that his brother has his brother did this. Right. Uh, and so then then that's when I think he overhears. And he ends up going back to the house. Right. And that's when all this happens. Um, so then the police, obviously, they get to the station, find out Lucas is gone, so they go straight to the house. And the, yeah. the cops come in and surround him. And then the final panel, if you will, is this close-up of Lucas's face where he's crying, he's holding his, his now-dead brother Tom, and this this almost look of realization comes yeah. over him and that makes him even sadder i think for a yeah, moment he's, yeah because he's like he's sad but then th there's the final tear the tear is shed yeah uh, as it closes close up on him with the the police lights and i think and i think that's the moment where he he realizes everything that happened all at once like he gets this right. moment of clarity just before the credits and i and I, I really enjoyed like the end of this movie like it was it was very very good very you know put together very well mm -hmm. um especially yeah, this, so, this one shot <laughs> yeah uh so we're under the belief or we're assuming or we would want one is led to believe rather that this is this is lucas projecting yes. that this thing is a thing Yes, yes. I, I, I mean, absolutely, right? Um, so, so what? Halfway through the movie, you're like, oh, this monster's not a real monster. This is definitely Lucas. And by the end of the movie, it, it is definitely revealed to be to be Lucas. At least, at least that's what I got from it. Especially, right. like, he fires the bullets into the... It definitely into the witch, and it kills his brother. So it goes... They go through him because she's not there. And then she kind of comes over and falls on the floor. And then when the cops come in, she's not there on the floor. Um, so, like, they're definitely giving you the answer um, in that final scene if you didn't already uh, think that yeah. or kind of get to it on your own. All right, so he killed the dog. He killed Anna. He, he bashed Mariah in the head. Yeah. He, and then he shot his brother. And this is all, like, um, the grief, uh, you know, not processing grief. Uh, appropriately the mm -hmm. um you know he's the victim of of bullying uh from his brother from his peers from this uh this girl who you know, claimed to be his girlfriend or wanted to be his girlfriend so like his only actual like quote unquote outlet for love in his life um was also uh an antagonist here right um well, another cool thing uh, about the movie is that that panel fades 
to a message about bullying yeah. being a problem and a hotline and all, all sorts of, yeah. of other information, which, which, you know, I didn't see any of that coming. Also important to point out here that this was written and directed by the same person. This happens a lot in indie films, right? A guy has something to say. He wrote a script. He wants to make this movie. So, you know, somebody decides, okay, I'll give, I'll give you some money to make this movie. And of course he directs it himself. Um, Another coincidence between this and the last thing Mary saw is that was also written and directed by the same person. Um, not the same person, but not, the same yeah. but, person but, that wrote and directed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Uh, and yeah, I think that that's what's great about this movie is that you can tell that there was a purpose or a meaning behind what the film was going to be about and how it was executed. Uh, right. And all of the other the genre in general, all of the other elements of the film are just aiding to creating a richer story that has all of the themes and subject matter wrapped into it that makes it a presentable manner where it's open to interpretation to some extent, but it's just obvious and it kind of gives you more depth and interest in a, a simplish idea, but it's just so well thought out and portrayed that it's much more engaging and, it, and it's more lasting because of that. And that's what I really like about it, you know. As much as people crap on uh, M. Night Shyamalan, all of the cool, like, uh, sappy-type things that happen in the movie Signs, uh, and even The Village, for me, you know, all of the things that, like, this meant this, meant this, meant that, makes it more of a heartwarming story sure. uh, that is more lasting. And I think that this does that. And it was to a really uh, a, a great level of execution. It was a, it was a good film, and I really liked what it was talking about and how it was done. It seemed very natural, aside from the few caveats that we've already discussed. A very natural progression of the characters and the events that occur, and how you can interpret the actions of them to lead to the conclusion that the movie comes to. It's it's just solid. Yeah, yeah, I. I... I love how it was, you know, it's it's a young kid who's the main character, the protagonist, right? And he's going through this horrible thing, and these bad things are happening to him, seemingly to him for the audience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got the turn where, where it was him the whole time, but it doesn't stop you from feeling sorry for the main character and still wanting him to win, even though... Yeah. It turns out he did these horrible things. You don't want him to lose. You want him to get the help that he needs at the end. And then you get right. and then you get that hotline panel about bullying and it's like, Oh yeah. Like I, I wasn't even thinking uh, along those lines. And when that came up, like my brain just like rescanned the whole movie backwards mm-hmm. <laughs> and sure. it was like and it was like, Oh, what great yes great this is more people should watch this like <laughs> you sure know, just a just a big fan of of the conclusion and and what it did for everything behind it like it definitely um elevated uh you know the film at the end yeah yeah that yeah, was really it was a good uh it was just all around well told story uh with a good message uh Something you don't, something you don't get in horror, right? Like that—that's. Yeah. I think that's the word. Another word I was looking for is refreshing. 
like sure it, it or or just like um not unique but like uh infrequent like right well it's sort of like how i felt about lamb you know that it's it's a generalized type thing and where it's a kind of just about grief and nature uh and how people handle that kind of thing and it's sort of just like a, a folklore-esque fantasy fairy tale explanation of how characters would handle that decision and so you know it's just boiled down type thing yeah it's not something that you see as often uh the horror film with like more like something to say there's obviously a ton out there but it's just not right as common a solution for a horror film to have is to be about something right exactly (laughs) so so cool i mean it uh shot in new york and a couple years ago and now it's up on shutter uh i'm super stoked to find things like this that shutter keeps bringing out i'm oh, just yeah. a huge fan once i started getting that subscription so i'm, I'm super happy with slap face it was a great watch absolutely um i would probably give it a i'm gonna give it a six i'd give it a six out of ten yeah i mean you know wavering somewhere between a, a it's definitely it's not it's more, better than a five, and so a six, I think, is a fair score. It's not going to be something that's a top-tier thing I'll watch a lot, but I will completely endorse it and would say that it's worth watching for anyone that's a fan of horror or me, films with more meaning behind them, you know? Yeah, yeah, I would definitely recommend uh, people watch it. Um, I might watch it one more time in my life when I'm showing it to someone, um, but probably right. not more than that. So I think that's a solid yeah. six. Yeah, and it's just a different kind of thing. Like, this is, it's interesting. There are films that I think should just be watched, and uh, I'm glad that I've seen, but I probably won't ever see again because it was an experience, and you've already kind of logged that memory in there, and you think of it from time to time. This is going to fall into that kind of category. Yeah, exactly. More often not. Yep, exactly. Cool. So let's move on to our second feature, The Last Thing Mary Saw. Um, this is, uh, Eduardo Vitaletti and is a period drama taking place in colonial, uh, Long Island, yep. uh, South Hold, New York. So really cool. And it's not intentional, but it's cool that we're in New York. The two of us are located in central New York. And that these films are in New York. It's kind of like a little bit of a buy-in that makes me a little bit happier, excited that the setting is familiar. Uh, I, I do. I, I love it every time I see New yeah. York in a, in a, in a movie. <laughs> so this is a broad, broad stroke here. This is a A24-esque period drama about a uh, forbidden love. Forbidden love, super, and... yep, super religious, <laughs> uh, super religious family. Well, it's, it's Puritan a, type. Yep, eighteen forty three is the year, so it's you know it's fits right in with that like, you know, people weren't really questioning God or religion back then, and if they mm-hmm. were, they were definitely like shunned or outsiders. Yeah. Um, Especially science and medicine just was not understood the way that it is. Uh, it was very basic and yes, God and religion 
or sort of like the way to guide people's lives oh, yeah. uh, and see everything through that prism because it was just no it was n known and things outside of it were just not okay it was right. it was not not good it was, there's too many hardships already and yeah. so it was a way to just narrow your focus and just like you know not let your mind or other things occur and take you off that path and, yep. uh, un, to be uh un, less than righteous yeah so, and you, and yeah you, so and i mean you, that's you believe in god so you know you believe all the scripture and so that's how you live your life and, yeah uh, um so this movie's cool. It is kind of separated into chapters. Uh, the chapters follow along and then are titled, which is not necessarily, it's just sort of like a neat little luster that's put into there as far as how to interpret or read the events that are going to be occurring in each of those chapters. But they all relate to a book that um, Mary and Eleanor are in possession of. These are like little sub-chapters and poems or stories that are in this book. Uh, that exists in the film and so the movie opens where there mary uh is blindfolded you see blood coming from the bandage and there's a group of men that are interrogating her so to speak about the events that transpired uh the night prior or you know it doesn't matter how they define it but they're interrogating her to try to understand what just occurred and you don't know. You're 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 going in blind. You just know that something happened, and they're very leery of her because they've got weapons drawn on her. Right. And they, they, the first, yeah, the first thing they do is make her say the Lord's Prayer with two right. with two rifles bearing down on her. She obviously doesn't mm -hmm. know she's blindfolded. Um, and I think they're waiting to see if she can't because the devil right. might might be inside her, and if yeah. she doesn't say the Lord's Prayer, they're just gonna kill her. Like, she's just dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just sort of like, uh, just a direct way to to understand the the nature of life at the moment. You know, it's just, it's not spoken what things are. It's just you understand it through that visual that this is definitely oh, yeah. this thing. Uh, and they don't have to say anything else. So right away, though, with the way that, I can't, you know, we talked about it with, um, with Slapface, the way it starts, this movie starts in the same kind of way in that it has amazing lighting and set design. That's the one thing with this film. It is oftentimes illuminated by candle. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of sh work with shadows in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, always half, sometimes even three-quarter darkness uh, in you know mm -hmm. from, from scene to scene. Um, really, Lots of close-ups. Yeah, yeah, really excellent work um, with lighting in this movie. Yeah, it's just beautiful. It's 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 another character, just the way that it's shot, and like, and it just helps to reinforce the the darkness or the the starkness of the landscape or the world in general. That it's so it's your you know the the ten by ten room around you with the other couple people in it. There's not any big world out there this small little house which is where the whole film takes place in this one little house yep. and right outside it in the chicken coop that's the whole universe that these people know and nothing else is ever seen or talked about and it just there's cla there's a claustrophobia because of it and it kind of just it the immersion really gets dialed in because of the way that they build the whole story from here and so 
it this happens right away where you just get that this is going to be that kind of piece and because it's a period piece the costumes are all just it's yeah. you're just already in the universe right away oh and yeah i love that about it I'm, I'm already in there you know yeah i i totally agree uh, so we, we have, uh, we find out what's, what the conflict is pretty much right away. Um, yeah. as, uh, as they're being corrected, right? Yeah. Um, Mary is in love with the, the female, uh, housemaid, um, mm-hmm. Eleanor, Eleanor, uh, played by Isabel Furman, who is, mm-hmm. uh, the orphan in Orphan, um, which, which we got to see first kill, but anyway, uh, Stephanie Scott plays Mary, um, for anyone who cares. And the first time uh, they're caught or punished for it, I think it's just Eleanor, right? Who has to kneel on the rice, or do they both? I want to say the first. No, I think the first time they're both doing it. They're both. There's doing a correction, it. but like they're talking about the, them leaving or separating, or Mary going somewhere, or Eleanor going somewhere. But they're like, well, let's try to correct things before we separate or we get rid of this caretaker. I can't remember the circumstances of someone leaving or whatever. But yeah, I think like, I let's think they forego I, that for now. Yeah, I think they were going to try and send Eleanor to another house, like sell her to another. Okay. Right, but we couldn't there. until we get this out of our system, so to speak, or right, mitigate right, this because yeah. then it'll look poorly on them that they've, you know, if they sent it to another house. Yes, yeah. exactly. And so, uh, yeah, they. I always thought that this was a a thing that you did with um, with grits. Wasn't this a, a scene where you kneel on grits, and that's really the the ultimate thing? It's either in a book or another show or film where they do that, but. It, they're using rice in this where they're kneeling on rice reciting a prayer or something to that effect and that's their penance yep. to try to to you know flog them yeah. uh sort of passively for yeah. their behavior and their sins and to repent yeah and it looks super uncomfortable <laughs> yeah like like horrible um and you know, you eventually find out the like long-term negative effects of it, whether it's true or not. Like, there's another character who who went through correcting. Um, you know, we'll get to that later. But like, oh man, I I never want to kneel on rice. I know. I kind of like. When, like I feel like I should try this. Just to <laughs> yeah, see how awful yeah. Just it is. I was thinking about that through the whole movie. I'm like, I'm like, how, is it really that bad? Like, it, it yeah. definitely. I mean, it's got to be bad. Like, I'm sure it hurt like hell. Is it gotta be white rice? Can it be brown rice? Yeah, wild rice. So just yeah, yeah. I've got all of that rice in the the kitchen. I'll go try it tonight. (laughs) Anyways, not to make light of it. So, but that's so that's what's going on, and uh, there's not a whole lot else that's going to be happening in this film. And you like, there's other things that are going to go on, but like that, it's it's again, it's a limited scope. This is about this love that they have and they cannot have it and how are they going to navigate this world and so you're already intrigued and you already feel for the characters because they're already punished and you know as a viewer definitely now how messed up this is and you already invested and care about them and so you're just kind of watching events transfer and you're already you, you but you have a lump in your throat because you see at the start of the movie that it's just mary with this blindfold bleeding and being questioned that something bad happened. Yeah. And so you're sort of waiting and anticipating, and there's just building this tension, a la A24, slow burn, where there's just oh, yeah. this 
thing that's just going to go and go and go and you're just waiting for the for things to happen and it's a great ride the whole time oh yeah <clears throat> uh so so what happens we get um there's not a lot of action beats so it's gonna be it's gonna be rough to outline to 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 play by play this one um but we have the the brother the little brother who's kind of nosy kind of spies on them a couple times here and there yes um do they get caught again before they go to the chicken coop or do they go right to the coop uh, I can't remember. I, I, uh, I think that they, they kind of get caught. Like, they know that they kind of have a feeling that the brother might be um, watching them because he's watching them from through the grate and he has the splinter that happens and they right. kind of know, but I don't think they're necessarily going to be corrected again just yet. Right. Um, so, so it's yes. It's not until the coop. The I coop, believe. right. So, uh, Eleanor uh who is a servant um is having a conversation with the the other servant the one who i actually just mentioned the one whose knees have been broken by yeah the guard uh by kneeling on rest yep yep so basically his job is just to stand outside and to keep track of what's going on outside Mm -hmm. she she brings him uh yeah she brings him some kind of porridge first right yes bring well yeah, he, he she offers him porridge. He makes like an and... off-color comment, like, "What did I do to deserve such such a feast?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He says to feed it to the chickens. Yeah, uh, and that's where she gets the idea that maybe that could be a, a respite for them because right. the house is compromised because the kid and everyone else, obviously. Right. So so she does strike a deal where she'll bring him bread if if. Uh, they can sleep in the coop together at night and without anybody knowing about it. Right. And, uh, and this does go on for a couple nights. They get away with it until the little brother, uh, does bring, he brings the grandmother out, right? The matriarch who's kind of the, she's kind of the antagonist here. So like there's like, there's obviously a, a father to, uh, Mary, and his mm-hmm. wife, and there's probably, you know, a couple uncles. Maybe Mary has an older brother, but maybe they're all just cousins and uncles. Um, right. And aunts, because there's, there's a couple other adult women in the house. Um, but there's like 10 of them total, 10 or 11. There's a, there's a lot of people in this house. Well, you got to think about the, the final, the, the, the dinner that they have. So right. uh, there's the mother at the head. Uh, the grandmother, the, the matriarch, grandmother, the matriarch yeah. seemingly a grandmother, grandmother. Uh, and then it's her, fa- her father, and then the potential two uncles, and both uncles have a wife with them. I think. Yeah. If if we're calling them uncles, if that's what sure, they are. Sure. Sure. Uh, and then the the kid, and then Eleanor and Mary. Yeah. I think that in that final, you know, I think that that's it's relatively limited. But yeah, there's. A handful of people, but it's right. it's limited. So, uh, uh, yeah. So, so, but they all they all kind of look to the matriarch. I think this is important. Uh, they look to the grandmother uh, to lay f- like final judgment on anything that happens. Like mm-hmm. X Y Z took place. We all know that it's bad, but we're not gonna do anything about it because that's your job, um, grandma. And she lays down the law. Uh, f- for the family, as the as the eldest, and and I mean maybe that's 
just the way things were back then, but that's definitely the way they are in the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the... So, the, the yeah, coop. The, the coop. The kid brings the grandma out to the coop. And, um, you know, they get caught again, so they have to be corrected again. Right. Um, uh, what do they do the, this time? The scene... Well, the scene in the coop... I think that this is where... Uh, I think they they might have just isolated uh, Eleanor in this one after the coop. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So this is um, this is but, where oh, God. Go ahead. No, you're fine. I was gonna say this is where Eleanor gets the uh, gets the idea that that she has to take things up up a notch, up a level, because mm-hmm. she she feels like she's gonna die in this house after this this second correction and and as far as she's concerned she's not doing anything wrong she's in love mary's not doing anything wrong she's in love the two of them have these plans to run away together um which mary is fine with just running away and that makes sense for mary because it's it's her family but eleanor she doesn't feel like they'll be safe like they'll try yeah. to track her down, or they'll always be on the run if they leave, if they run away. Um, so she needs to needs some kind of uh, finality to their their parting. Um, right. And so she gets uh, this little ball from the guard, and yeah. uh, she's supposed to test it on the chickens. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just some kind of poison, right? Just kills a chicken, right? It's a it's a, a poison berry, seemingly yeah. looks like a blueberry, more or less. Uh, the chicken gets it. The chicken is dies, dies. And so yeah. they use this. The next scene where she has the idea, she's going to put this in tea. Yep. Uh, she puts it in tea. We don't really see what happens next, um, like where the tea goes or who drinks the tea, but. In the morning, the grandmother character is dead, and now we have to to do her funeral rites. Yes, yeah. Mary comes upon it, sees that she's just dead in bed. The teacup is there; it's all broken. She does some quick cleanup, and in the rules of how they do a funeral here, uh, the wake and everything, you do not talk. Yeah, uh, the day hours. of the funeral, yeah. full day. Like, yeah, twenty four hours. And so this changes everything. So everyone's just going to be in mourning. There will be dinner. Um, they're going to... All the, the chicken coop is bad because the berry. And so they don't have... like They say there's a rodent that got in there. So now chickens have to be acquired from elsewhere, which we'll get into in a second. But uh, and the, the matriarch is just laid out in the house. And they're going to be having a, a meal that evening to to put her uh, at peace. And this is, I guess the other guy comes, uh, right. Uh, possible pastor or whomever, the guy that's doing the final rites. He's like a guest in the house. He doesn't live there, but he's there to, uh, to help either. He was a grandfather or whomever. They don't really get into, you know, people's titles and who they actually are, but right. he's there uh, at the head of the table in lieu of the matriarch as sort of like one guiding, the wake that they're having for the major. Right. 
Um, so they have to acquire chickens from elsewhere. So they get word out to a to a traveler, some kind of salesman, mm-hmm. and he brings a sack of chickens, uh, played by uh, Rory Culkin. Um, uh-huh. And uh, man, he's just good, right? <laughs> like, yeah. like he's excellent. He was he was so good in this too. Um, but he shows up, he's got, uh, like, a almost like a birthmark covering the, this mm-hmm. part of his face, right? It's discolored and, and dark red. And, yeah. uh, you know, he exchanges some words with the guard and then he comes in and he meets, uh, Eleanor at the side entrance, um, where they're going to make a trade. He, uh, the guard also gives him a little pouch to give to Eleanor. And right. We can, we can assume there's more berries in there. Right. Uh, so the chickens are given, and he's like, well, let me help you with the chickens. And that's where he starts to talk about his backstory, where he starts to talk about his mother and how she reacted to the birthmark and how he was taken around to cure this deformity that he had. Things that he endured as a child because of what he could not control about himself. And so there's sort of like a parallel here where this is a character who had a similar um, scolding or corrective behavior of something that was not his own fault. It just was a, is who he is. Uh, the pain that he endured because of something. Uh, sort of paralleling what Mary and Eleanor are now going and it was just a great scene, sort of a monologue. Oh yeah, uh, with Eleanor. Yeah, yeah, it was it was excellent. Um, so then he uh, he shows off that he's got the pouch, and mm-hmm. he he's a traitor. So he wonders what she's going to give him for this pouch, um, and uh, he rapes her. Oh, so <laughs> right. This is like the thing it, that we we glazed over this, but this is important. At the coop, when they oh, finally see right. them, right, 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 right. Eleanor, Eleanor can't talk, not because Eleanor, of right. the death of the matriarch, but because the matriarch pinched the throat. Yes, fingers and... on the throat, and you just see a visual of her floating in air, right, suspended, and the matriarch is grabbing her throat, it's holding her by the throat. Yep. Mary's just watching this happen. Eleanor is suffering here. She's gasping, and like you think she's just choking, but she's just barely touching or whatever, leaving two little pinpricks almost yeah. with fingertips. And now she's lost the ability to speak. Yes. <laughs> right. So when Rory Calkin's character is offering the trade, he's insinuating that in order to get this, there needs to be something between the two of us sexually, and she cannot stop him. She can't right. voice that opposition or anything, and she knows that to get to what she wants with what he's offering, she has to go along with it. Right. So she's now enduring this, this humility, this, uh, in order to yeah. get what she wants. Of, of, of like a horrific sequence of events. And I mean, you're the way you root for the protagonist through the film. There's obviously two, it's Mary and Eleanor as a, as a duo. And, and, you're just this this scene like almost kills you like obviously yeah. it's it's not graphic and it doesn't really show anything but like just you knowing that it's happening is right. like is terrible 
Well, and uh, that's the thing about these kind of films and, and horror in general. It's the things that they don't show that they just insinuate or talk about in the way that they frame it. Everything about the way that the film is shot and all the stakes and what's occurring, it heightens this experience that much more because it's been building and building and building. You care more and more the things that are happening to them. You want them to get out, to get out, and you see just another awful thing that has to be endured in order to try to have hope for the better tomorrow and it's it is difficult to sit through it but it's yeah it helps to immerse how uh desperate and trying the times are that they're in yeah so now she has the bag and and he offers to help with the chickens and this is where he she just grabs a knife and cuts his finger off because she's like well i did the horrible thing i got what i wanted now i don't care what happens get out of here <laughs> like yeah. he, he even like yeah. scre- screams a little bit and there's a tussle and the family doesn't even get up to see what's going on in the kitchen right mary does well they don't want to break they don't want to break the 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 wake the morning yeah <laughs> the, what, the morning. The, well yeah the morning that they're going they cannot react normally to things that are occurring because it again it's because it's sacrilege right. this is what you do yeah that is more important some crazy shit is happening in the other room. It's weird. There's some noises and screaming, but that should not be happening. But I follow the rules. Yeah. And nothing is going to stop me from doing this the way it's supposed to be get done. Uh, you know, right. almost to a fault. Uh, so, 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 so also so while, he runs off missing all, a finger. Also, right. while all this is happening, we have the family, um, and they're all kind of giving. Uh, you know, they all have like a moment with with the matriarch. Uh, and the finger is twitching. Yeah. And, and it, well, and it has turned. No, 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 not yet, not yet. Not so yet. The, so That's the priest. Okay. Well, this is it's right now. It's right now. The priest, or the whomever they this this new this new person we don't recognize, um, ha- takes a knife and grabs the finger uh, and is go- right, is right. gonna cut it off, but then because it's, he sees it twitching and he's like, the twitching. why is it twitching? This but is making everyone not want to yeah. be quiet. <laughs> but the but because he when he touches the finger, it starts to turn black. So he yeah. he lets go of it, and then the whole finger turns black. And then mm-hmm. he's like, "All right, well, I'm not going to mess with this this finger." And, and it stops moving. It, yeah. So the so then he backs off. Um, and now that the the major just has a black finger, which is weird. Uh, I don't quite mm-hmm. understand what the symbolism is there. But I'm sure it meant something to the writer. Um, one uh, well, and by the end, the, you know, there's a a thing that occurs, and so right, right. So maybe that was all it was. Maybe that was it was just set up for, for just that. to signify, yeah, that yeah. this is what happens. Uh, yeah. So yeah, um, Roy so... Culkin's character evacuates, and you see uh, dinner's concluding. Bef- before he leaves, he grabs a roll of bread. He grabs a loaf on yes, his way out. The, the loaf, yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, dinner's concluded. Tea is being prepared. Yep. She's you see tea. the tray of all the cups. Mary has come back in there now with Eleanor, and she knows what she's acquired. Because uh, Mary is assisting in serving this meal. She's not grieving with the family. Her penance is now, you're sort of apart. You're at the back of the room standing and just waiting for us to do what we're doing. We'll deal right. with you after this has done. Uh, she, you just, all you see is the teacups. You don't see what occurs. You know that there's a bag of berries. You see all the berries, the poison, but you don't know what's going to happen. And so, uh, 
Mary brings out the tray of the teacups, and you can hear her shaking them. And I'm like, are they, what are you doing? Like, she's like sh- shivering, and you hear the rattling. She sets them down, and then she serves everyone. And the kid is she's, just like sugar. She she serves sugar. him. She serves him last too, uh, and she yes. serves everybody yeah. else in pairs. She serves him alone, and last. Yes. Yes. But he sp- and he sugars the hell he out of his teeth. Fills this thing with sugar because they can't talk, so they can't tell him to stop. Right. And he knows right. it. And the, he knows it. <laughs> and the father, but the father it just slams on the table, takes his tea, gives him his tea. Right. And this is Mary's father because this is Mary's younger brother. Yes. Uh, and then they have their tea. And I'm trying to recall how things begin here. So it was the it was the head of the table, which I think was the was the priest or the or the 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 guy who we don't recognize the old the older right. looking gentleman who starts to to it almost looks like he stands up from the table and then he mm-hmm. it almost looks like he's about to have a heart attack like he's he's fallen over a little bit and then somebody helps him back up but then blood just comes out of his mouth. And then he falls, and then it goes to the the woman to his right. Blood comes out of her mouth, and she kind of collapses forward. And then they all just start to have blood out of their coming out of their mouths, including the little brother. Yeah. And uh, now, and the father does not die. So, right. so we we know that she spared her younger brother um, when she was divvying out the tea, but because of the swap. And then, of course, the father didn't drink the sugar tea. He just, he's just, the look on his face is just like, as everyone is dead, except for Eleanor and um, Mary, um, who are crying and holding each other and and about to, about to go, right? Trying to, trying to get out of there. Um, So... They start to have a conversation with the father, and out of nowhere, a gunshot kills the father. And the door opens, and it's Rory. Um, He traded the loaf of bread to the guardsman for his pistol, uh, which only had two bullets. So and... he's reloading. He's talking. That he, you know, to Eleanor and to Mary, and he's reloading. Yep. And there's waiting, and because it's an old flintlock type thing where he's. Yep. And and so now this this scene is is strange. I guess as a, a teenage girl, like you wouldn't know that the gun couldn't couldn't be shot twice. Um, but once he started reloading it, at that point, I don't understand why they don't run. Uh, or okay. fight. Or fight. It is 2v1, and we know that, they, I mean, they just killed a bunch of people, so, like, they're, I don't feel like their nerves are an issue here. Now, I, I, I get that they're telling a story, and, and you you got yeah. to hear the bad guy's dialogue before the showdown, right? Or, like, his, right. you know, his, like... Whatever he has to say has got to be said and got to be heard by somebody. Um, but this is the only moment in the film where I was just like, eh, that didn't make sense. Everything up to this point, though, I'm, I'm, I was totally in. <laughs> I was, <laughs> um, you, 
your suspension of disbelief wavered for a moment. Yeah, it was it, it it was just it was for a moment. And um Yeah. Okay, so he You're gonna does... have to help me because again I'm 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 faltering on how the final things transpire here. So he yeah, he well he shoots Eleanor in the head with his second bullet. Right. And now well, well, they offer him the house. They're like, "Keep the house. We'll, we'll just let us leave." And yeah. he's and he's getting revenge for getting his finger cut off, which which I which another thing is like, well, I mean, you you did just rape her, so that that was the finger getting cut off was revenge for the rape, dude. Like, <laughs> you know, you're not call it a day. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Easy. You, yeah. you got she let you steal the bread too. Like, come on, <laughs> why'd you come? Why like why'd you even come back? Um, so, so she's having a conversation just with Mary. And so Mary says, who called you to the house? Right. Yes. Because nobody else could talk. If nobody could talk, how did you get here? Who called you here? And they, he doesn't get to answer the question. Because what she's asking the right the matriarch who was presumably dead to this point sits up <laughs> in a, uh in her her like display um she comes she comes out and uh, how does how does rory get dispatched or does he just leave that's where i'm like so frustrated because i was so excited I'm, and happy with the conclusion of the film but now I just don't recall how it occurred. Yeah, I'm a little, um, I'm a little fuzzy on what happens with Rory if he just left, um, and and she was there with with the grandmother, or if the grandmother took Rory out. I'm assuming he just left because I've, I I think I'd remember if if yeah, she no, did. but I mean like, but again, then how what how does Mary get to? Where she's at? Oh, right. Because so the the matriarch well, gouges starts, her eyes. Yeah, yeah. So he's so she starts talking. So the matriarch starts talking to her uh, about um, about how everything wrapped up. And and I am purposefully leaving some stuff out here that we'll we'll talk about once once the entire plot's revealed. Um, and she says that the punishment for this crime was this one thing that I can't remember and that they were blinded. And that's when she grabs her head and sticks her thumbs in her eyes. And that kind of ends the flashbacks. That brings us to the interrogation room and the story has been told. Um, to where the detectives or the investigators kind of look at each other and go, yeah, well, that, uh, that's about sums that up. Yep, yep, yep. And then they walk her <laughs> out to a tree that's already been fitted with a hanging noose. And um, they put her up there and kick the thing out from under her. And, oh, they take her blindfold off first to show that her eyes have been gouged. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and while she's just hanging there, we get a, a close-up of the finger that is now black and it's twitching. Yeah. Um, and then it goes to credits. So what do we think about that first? Um, so my first thought was 
All right, so maybe the witch or the, the you know, so it's once again based on witch, right? Just like the other one, or a witch, some kind of. Yeah. Obviously, if she can come back to life, or she was never really dead, there's got to be something going on. Um. So now, is did she transfer to Mary? And if she did, why did she guide her out? How's that? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> or does Mary have this power being a woman in this bloodline? Uh, was my mm. second was my second thought. So she has mm. this power to come back. Um, and you know she just got gouged because that was her punishment for what she did. Right. Um. So so I like you know once again I like an open ended and a lot of uh, independent films do kind of like leave it leave questions unanswered like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. What, I mean, what did you think? Well, that's uh, I thought the same kinds of things. It, part of me, you know, was just like. Well, then why? Why? How or why? And so when you start to think about it, but it like it leaves it there where you start to think and question events that happened and uh, what led from one thing to another. But and it's just fun to kind of play with and to kind of ruminate about. But the majority of the film of like the experience of what they were going through and suffering in order to try to have it and it fell apart was really the more interesting and the meat and the fun of the movie or the interesting story of the movie. Uh, the stuff with the witch was like sort of like the fun horror element. And they were sort of just like uh, mashed together in a way a little bit. Like it wasn't necessary. It's almost as if there were two different kind of genre movies, like a, a dramatic love story. But now let's find a way to have a... a a hoary witch element into it. I liked them, the marriage of the two together, but it's almost like they are two different things that are just presented in the same film and they don't always necessarily like mesh. They're, they're just right. there. I sure. like it, like I said, but, uh, so I don't have a whole lot of like, I'm not too wrapped up in, the whole witch element after viewing. Like, I like right. that it's there. It doesn't change or really leave me in a certain way that makes me one way or another. It's just sort of an element that's there at the end. It's like, okay, yeah. Okay. I like what you're saying as far as interpretation, though. It, it... Right. So my big thing for the movie was the book. Yeah. Um, so the three chapters were each named after stories in the book. Mm-hmm. Um. She actually reads one or two of them out loud during the movie. Um, yeah, the which... first one, I can't remember, is something about temptation in the house or such and such. The second one is a monstrous birth. Yep. And the third one is the old lady of at the bar. Yeah, and that's the one where the the main characters of that story, one of them something bad happened to, I can't remember, and the other one was the one who got uh, blinded. So that's how... That's where the witch or the matriarch character uh, delivered that punishment to Mary from from that story. And now mm-hmm. we have those three chapters. We have those three stories in the book. There's a moment where uh, the matriarch references the book at the end when she kills Mary or when she blinds Mary um, that her father was the one who brought it to the house. There's a yeah. moment. There's a moment earlier in the film 
uh, I think in the second chapter, where the father um, apologizes to the matriarch for being the one to bring it to the house, and says that he believes that the book was to was to bring the death of the family with it, or that that the book was going to cause death, um, mm. something like that. As it is a the book, the stories are blasphemous. The it's you know because it because the first story I think is about the the two women falling in love, which is what actually happens in the in the movie. It's the 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 mm -hmm. noble woman and the maid. Now, right, it's the noble woman that gets blinded in the third story, and that's why that's how that happens. So, you know. It was very interesting the parallel, right? And like, yes, yeah. I have to. I have to wonder if that book is a real book that maybe the film was based on, or if mm. the book was created um, so that the film could draw the parallels to it throughout the movie. Um, right. And it's just it's just very interesting to me that this um, this item would would be the centerpiece and also like obviously that's where the you know the chapter names were drawn from and and the, the passages get referenced a few times and um you know i don't think it was in your face right it wasn't like this is the book and everything that's happening and this is why everything is happening and it wasn't like beating you over the head with it, it i think it was definitely very subtle and it was something that like you know, you, you get this with, like, independent films, right? Like, it's... Yeah, it's all it's, very artfully it, done. It's yeah. a neat way to kind of layer things and have more meaning. Everything yeah. in this kind of a smaller, lower budget or indie film, uh, it's like with any directorial type thing, because it's a smaller scope, there's intent in every possible thing in the film. It, right. This and, is there for a reason, and you can trust it for sure in a, something with this kind of a limited scope. Absolutely, and you and you have to, like... Once again, like true art, it's it's really left up to your interpretation, and you kind of you kind of have to like maybe watch it a second time to get it all, or yeah. or really just really pay attention and just like you know try to try to experience it all, um, you know to to really enjoy it, right? Um, as we were talking about before we started shooting tonight. Um, the ratings on this movie versus the ratings on Slapface, um, I could understand how Slapface would get a higher rating from a casual audience, whereas yeah. I enjoyed the last thing about Mary, or the last thing Mary saw more. Um, I just, you know, I think that, you know, this movie's better from a critical perspective than Slapface was, right? Right. Yeah, I would agree, and it's not that it's just inherently better, it's just, for me, I am more drawn to a horror that has these kind of elements, uh, at least with the way that these two are handled it. I'm more prone to like something like The Last Thing Mary Saw versus Slapface, uh, both good in different sets, but like, you know, there's other films that we've talked about, a la Scream or Halloween, uh, Halloween Ends coming up that are going to be fun. I love those movies, but whenever it's, when looking at these two, I would prefer last thing Mary saw. And yeah, I think it's just that it's a more difficult, it's more austere. It's limited. There's less going on. It's a slow burn. 
these are all things that can completely throw off an, a viewer that is not into that genre of horror. It's pretty polarizing where, you know, it's one, you got to be into horror, and then two, to be into this kind of horror, it's an even smaller niche crowd that it's, yeah. it's just not, doesn't have the broader appeal. Yeah, I think the, I think the period, uh, like the period drama aspect of it, it will also yeah. turn people off. Uh, yeah, that too. Like this yeah. is a niche within a niche within a niche market yeah. <laughs> of film. So, which I love. Right. Uh, but yeah, I know that I'm in a minority. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so I would, I would say, um, the last thing about Mary definitely gets a seven from me, a solid seven. Uh, I agree with that. I'm definitely going to watch it again. Um, yeah. And, and when I, when I do (laughs) with the way that things transpire at the end, like it annoys me because I was, I loved it when I saw it. And I, and when we, I did the double feature, I was so happy to have seen it second because I would have been a little bit let down with the pace and the style of the, of slap face after having seen this. Right. I like this being the second one because I think it's more thoughtful in a different kind of way. Uh, yeah, I definitely also watched this one second and uh, was very glad to. And yeah, I, the ending once again is kind of muddled because I, it was late and I went to bed like right after. Yeah. Well, it's just uh, the way that it happens. Like in the beats aren't as important, but uh, yeah, it's, there's a lot to to parse through or to chew on with how the events happen. And I really would am interested in a second viewing to kind of go through the book and yeah. find those kinds of No, beats. exactly, exactly. The second time, the next time I watch it, I am paying so much attention to that book because yeah. I definitely think um, it it tells the story before we get to watch it because... Yeah because it is mimicking the uh you know the the main plot or the main just the just the story you know yeah and they uh, read from it a little bit but you have enough time to read it yourself uh, right while right it's on the and screen. there's and there's some pictures too so you definitely can can get some information out of there yeah mm. it was enjoyable it two two fun movies yeah yeah absolutely uh I would definitely put them on the watch list for anyone who hasn't seen them. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting as the year goes on. I'm looking forward to having our, like, I almost want to create our list of things that we've watched slash reviewed throughout this year and just continue to kind of put these films in a, uh, you know, like a, a ranking of quality. And oh, just yeah. see how it progresses, which one now goes above the, the rest, uh, so on and so forth, to kind of later inform our year in review. Uh, it'll be a neat thing to do. Yeah, it's I th- I I know we're only in February, but next January, man, it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna be great. Also, <laughs> uh, oh, I can't help but like notice like you there something came in whenever you're talking, about it, and so I just thought of like the there's something about the last thing Mary saw. Like I just kept thinking about it. Yeah. 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 I, I almost said there's something about Mary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's something about the last thing Mary saw. Yeah. Which yeah, is, uh, which is yeah. a, a funny film to reference because, uh, you know, no one, uh, under the age of, you know, like 30 even knows what that movie is. <laughs> yeah. That's funny to think about. And I mean, gosh, the things that they do in that movie and to talk about it. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, I like think that it would it, it wouldn't land with today's audience. No, probably. no, it was it was it was very um, I'm sure very politically incorrect for today. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. So, did you want to uh, did you want to preview? Nope. Uh, well, I think it's a very brief teaser, and oh, I believe yeah. that it, uh, there's just going to be a couple images, so I'm fine with previewing it if you want to. There's supposed right. to be more, from what I understand, at the Super Bowl, there's going to be a maybe yep. a more full-length trailer. All right, all right, well, teaser. Let's, let's do it. Okay, all cool. Right. Here we go. Now, sink. Wait, 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 wait. It's us. They treat us like family. Run! Get out! Oh. Yeah, that's a real, real teaser. That's not even. <laughs> that it's a... mostly just his us and get out yeah and a couple shots from this new film that's it yeah that's that was a nice nice clickbait fake out guys you you got us (laughs) (laughs) um uh you still have to see us i suppose i Um, definitely have not watched us which i i feel very bad about um and i will it's of course but um yeah, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I felt comfortable watching that because I knew it wasn't going to be a ton. It was a small little teaser just to get you excited about it. But it's just another one of those films that's going to be coming out uh, this year that we're looking forward to, and we're definitely going to be talking about. Oh yeah. Uh, all right. So we have. Uh, I guess we have next week. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, well, if we do find a way to watch some of the films that we had been wanting to watch, we're going to do that. Sure. If we have a way to view Orphan First Kill, we will. Um, and a couple of the other things. But as we discussed whenever before we went live, there's a good handful of films that just got released on streaming platforms this week that are all unique, non-requel, non-remake movies. Yes. Uh, a la uh, Bloody Disgusting put out a, their list of 10 films that you can just go watch right now Yep. that are new, interesting stories. So we very well may choose two of those. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, just to put it out there, if we don't do the orphan package mm-hmm. or uh, what was it? The uh... <laughs> Just sounds, sounds ridiculous. Oh, the Stoker Hills Fresh. Stoker Hills Fresh. If we don't, if we don't do Stoker yeah. Hills Fresh, and we don't get a chance to get in, to watch Orphan First Kill, um, I think I would like to watch Student Body. I think Student Body looks good, and um, probably uh, Kimmy, which is uh, Steven Soderbergh's uh, new movie. They'll both be on um, HBO Max. Actually, Student Body's on starting today. And Kimmy starts on Thursday, so we can definitely, at the very least, watch those two movies before next week. All right. Um, Steven Soderbergh, man, I don't, I can't remember the last time I watched one of his movies. Sure. Oh yeah, Sex Lies Videotape, nineteen eighty nine. 
Traffic. Aaron Aaron Brockovich. Has he done anything lately? Not horror, right? But nothing oh. horror. Yeah, it doesn't look like it. Uh, and really, like, bigger budget stuff is what he's known for. So that's what's, like, confusing to me is yeah. that uh, he is related to a smaller scope horror movie that's just hitting streaming. It's an odd yeah. thing well, to did, occur. He did the Girlfriend Experience. That was the, uh, the Sasha Gray movie. Okay. But he did, like... Ocean's 13, Ocean's 12, Ocean's 11, okay. Right. He, he did Magic Mike. This is like... Huh. All right. Yeah, cool. it's weird. Yeah, yeah, so we'll see. All right, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, so I guess in conclusion, uh, I would say, yeah, Slapface is a six. The last thing Mary saw is a seven. I would definitely put them on your list. Um, if you haven't seen them, they're definitely both worth it. Um, and, yeah. I, and, and what a, it was, it was like, you know, we kind of picked these out of the blue. Like we didn't really, yeah, we did it for them to have the <laughs> related material, similar tones, but interesting kind of, you know, small scope. It, it was really, it's a great double feature. It, it to was, watch. Yeah, it was a great double feature because they were, they were similar in, a, in, like you said, a handful of ways, but they were very different movies. Yeah. Like we a, got really, it was odd. It was a lucky kind of draw there. Yeah. Because we weren't planning on watching them until over the weekend we said these two look like they're going to be good options. And right. And when, happily you surprised. Know, when last week was, was uh, you know, oh man, Death Valley. Yeah, between Death Valley <laughs> and Advent Calendar. I mean, Advent <laughs> Calendar was so unique and interesting and fun that it really did salvage uh, our... You oh yeah, the spirit of of the of the show. Yeah, um, well, I I think we talked about Death Valley for like thirty minutes, and we talked about Advent Calendar for a full hour, so it was <laughs> right. It, it worked out. Yeah, I mean, look, this kind of long format type of like uh, dissemination and conversation about the films is just a fun way to, for us each to relive it and get into it. Uh, we each kind of recall and and mention things that for me I think gives greater meaning or more importance or recognition about the film uh, and I love that we're putting it out there for other people to get into because this is the kind of conversations that are you know what we would normally be doing at the game table or when we go out for drinks or things like that catch up on a film but here we really get to stretch it and not bore maybe a person or two that isn't in the same kind of click as we are with these films yeah and so I or, love this long yeah. format type thing we're doing no absolutely <laughs> and and if even you know even one person can can listen to us and be like, oh, I'm going to check these movies out and actually actually enjoy them uh, the way we do, then uh, it makes it all worth it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so until next time, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. And, absolutely. Um, yeah, for the podcast for The Recently Deceased, I'm Nate Roberts. And I am Rodney Godek. And we'll see you next week. Take care.